0: Hi everyone, you're listening to Humanize Your Workplace with Alyssa Carpenter, where we chat about all things, well, human. On each of these bite-sized episodes, I'll give you something new to try to become more self-aware, help you build better work relationships, or just try to get you through a sticky work situation. It all starts with an open mind and a conversation. Thank you for joining us this week on Humanize Your Workplace today we're joined by Katherine Plumoff, who's a writer and a content strategist who believes in the power of a well-told story. She writes for outlets like Slate and Teen Vogue, on topics like technology, feminism at work, and the future of activism. She also partners with companies on their internal and external communication. Before working as a writer and strategist, Katherine worked for Bridgewater Associates, the world's largest hedge fund, where she managed a team focused on emerging markets. Hi Catherine. thank you so much for joining us. Hey Alyssa, I'm happy to be here. So this question, I kick things off and I recognize that it might be difficult, um, but if you could you know, take a step back and think, is there one person or a small group of people that you wanna thank for helping you become the professional you are today?
1: Well, I want to write a book one day, and so my acknowledgments page will be like the 17 people to 17,000. I'm not quite sure where to end it in at. People who have helped me become the person I am today. But you've asked me the question about one, so I'll start it off with one, and I think a pretty straightforward answer, which would be my first ever boss, who was a woman, is a woman by the name of Saney, who I worked with at my first job out of college. Worked with as an intern at that company first off, and then came on full time to work for her. And she was just, and again, is just. She's still living and still a big part of my life. I just don't work there with her anymore. Um, the absolute, absolutely very good at what she did, and so I got to come in. And she's very, she was young. I mean, she was in her early 30s when I started working with her. Um, I was in my early 20s, and I got to come in and kind of just watch her absolutely crush things. And oftentimes, crush things being a relatively young woman of color in a room full of. Um, mostly older white males. And she would just have such, she had such confidence, she had such belief in the things she was doing. She was also so open-minded to understanding if she was seeing something the wrong way or taking in that feedback. Um, And so while I think I got got to that company because I was a high achiever and I was a hard worker and I knew what I wanted and I was always willing to do the work required to get there, getting to learn from her kind of just unlocked another level of confidence in myself and of understanding all the places I could take my career um, and all of the, all of the rooms I could kind of find my way into where I should feel like
0: I belong from the get go, which is a really important thing to learn early on. That's a, that's amazing. It's so interesting. Well, when, when you were talking about your acknowledgement sections, for some reason, that was the hardest thing for me to write in my book, not the content, but I don't want to leave anybody yeah. out. <laughs> it was important to you. I don't want to leave that out. And it's so interesting what you're saying with about, The supervisor and just to have somebody early on but they also were open to feedback i feel like you don't find that that often you know supervisors might might be good quote-unquote at giving it but not always being open and receptive to it so that's huge knowing that from them that it goes both ways
1: yes i think that was partially who she is and partially the culture the place we worked where it really encouraged that it was one of those like you know it doesn't matter how old you are what your title is just like say what's in your mind but then you actually didn't, you actually were able to oftentimes, yeah. which some people have that as their company value on their website and it's in that pretty shiny font. Then you get into the room and you're trying to do something and you get shut down because you're young or because whatever it is, you're, you're not there with the chief in front of your title and you don't get to be listened to. And that was very much not her style of management. Um, and I'm really grateful for it. And I'm totally with you on the book thing. I bet that's the most highly like reread section before publication, right? Like screw editing the rest of it and making sure it actually sounds good. Like just make sure you didn't deeply offend someone in your real life. Some
0: people read it, right? But it's for some reason internally, you're like, oh, especially, I know we're both very similar in the inclusion space. So you just can't, you don't want to leave anyone out. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm curious too. I love just like, when we first met, just talking about your evolution of your career, all the travels, can you share a little bit of kind of where you
1: started? I would be happy to. Um, my career, I, thought, I always thought my career would be as a writer, and it is now, but it took a little bit of a roundabout path to getting there, that I studied English and creative writing and communication in college. And then that, I got this internship because they were recruiting, like, creative thinkers. I think you probably just saw the word creative on my LinkedIn and were like, oh, we should talk to her. Um, <laughs> it just goes to say, like, make a LinkedIn. Sometimes it works out. Yeah. And then um, I ended up going there mostly because I had realized that going straight into media as a college grad would really never help me get out of debt. Uh, and I didn't want to be carrying around my college debt for forever. And I didn't want to feel that stress for, I, I wanted to feel that stress as little as possible. And so I took this job. I ended up, which was in finance, I ended up learning a ton, really loving it, loving the, loving the culture, loving the people, not always loving the lifestyle around it, like where I lived in, in New York, but commuted into Connecticut and was on a bus for many hours a day and had a BlackBerry that had like a prominent place um, in every outfit of mine, So in case I needed to check an email or <laughs> whatever that was. And, and I kind of, exactly. Well, do people even have Blackberries anymore? I don't know. This was not that long ago, but I may be dating myself with that reference, <laughs> um, And kind of just realized I wanted to take a little bit of a break and see, and I I didn't want to wake up in like 10 or 20 years and just feel like I had fallen into this life by accident. If I was going to stay in that life, I wanted to be a conscious choice. Um, And I had gotten what I needed in the beginning. I paid off my loans. And I was like, okay, so I need to just take a break and see if this is still what I want to do. So I ended up going on a sabbatical, which was meant to be a six month sabbatical around Latin America which was incredible. Um, and and before the six months had ended, I kind of realized I, I had more of a runway there and I didn't want to give that up. And I had done all this hard work, right? Of walking away from a job, of moving out of my apartment, of selling all my belongings. I had a 50 liter backpack and a passport. And I knew I would never really be in that position again. So I wanted to make the, make the most of it. So I ended up getting back to that company and saying, you know what, I'm not going to come back right now. Maybe we'll keep the doors open. Maybe there'll be opportunities on the line, but I need to keep doing this. And then I realized myself that the money I'd saved for my travels wouldn't last indefinitely. So I need to start having inflow and not just outflow. Um, So I started working as an editor and writer, which again is what I trained kind of to do in college. I had worked through the school paper. I had internships with small presses. I worked as a marketing assistant. Like I I knew that world a little bit and and I knew I was good at it. I kind of had to build it from the ground up. I had all of these really good project management, stakeholder management skills from, from the company I worked for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I turned that into running my own little business of editing, writing, uh, and then occasionally pitching under my own name. It kind of started getting into the production part of it, the journalism part of it, writing first personal essays and then more reported features, profiles, a whole mix of stuff. And so now here I am, um, two and a half years after leaving that job. And I work as a journalist some of the time. So I try to tell, go tell stories in the world that should be told. And I work as a content strategist some of the time. So working with brands and companies and individuals to tell their stories with a more commercial bent. And so I do both of those things and I do them as my own boss and in a way that allows me to still travel, which I'm clearly not doing during a pandemic. But pre-pandemic was um, living in different places in Latin America and getting a chance to kind of explore, which was a great mix of all my interests.
0: I love your story. I think it's just so interesting, like the evolution and figuring out, okay, I really want to, you know, pay off the debt. I don't want, you know, but I want to find the balance between what I'm really passionate about and making money. And it's so, it gives me life um, in terms of, and hope. <laughs> you know, for other people too, to be able to think strategically, because I think sometimes it's like, quit your job, find your dream job. And, and I think you strategically plan things out
1: yes well I think and I know what I was just talking to a friend of mine this morning who has a similar path to mine of like we joined companies we left them we left them again like figuring out our own path through it and it kind of just comes this thing of growing up in the time where we are all growing up in you kind of see there's no real path there's no real like go to this company and work there for 40 years and they'll give you a pension and they'll take care of you and that'll be okay like pensions don't really exist companies don't really exist we've lived through a recession we've now living through a pandemic like so who's to say what kind of op- options will be waiting for you? you kind of have to go create your own. And I don't mean to say that I recognize even saying that comes from a huge position of privilege of like, I was able to find the job and pay off the debt and give myself the freedom to go do that. Um, but, but finding those moments, whether they're big moves or small moves in your life where you can kind of create the options you want to see for yourself, mm-hmm. I think is really important.
0: And I'm curious, because we talked both before about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and just both being extremely passionate about it. And I know that shines through a lot of your work. You're really strategic about the stories you share by, of yourself and share of others. Was there, like, a story or an experience or something from your travels that just sparked that interest in that space?
1: I think it's more like there are many small moments over time that have, like, kind of created that tapestry of, wow, this is really important to me. I mean, there was a moment, like, there was a moment in high school where I was in an AP class and um, the, the teacher would kind of, like, address us differently when he was talking to the girls in the class versus the guys. Where the girls were like, oh, you're all such hard workers. And the guys were like, oh, you're all such, so, so, like, naturally intelligent kind of thing. And I was like, that seems weird. And then I was in college and started taking some classes on gender and taking some classes on race, took an amazing um, philosophy and race class and kind of realized like, Oh, like, like our his- history as a nation is not necessarily the history I learned growing up in this kind of small, very white town in Michigan. Like there is a lot of things I don't know. And I think that that's the goal of a liberal arts education, right? It, te- it teaches you how to think. And I started learning how to think. And then when I got to apply that framework and that way of, just curiously asking questions of the world on, on, on my trip, on my travels and seeing other cultures where you might be even more ingrained, whether it's with, um, you know how the indigenous people of Ecuador are treated, or how women in Latin America writ large are treated and expected to be, and what machismo looks like on a big scale. Like those, all every kind of moment of getting to investigate and getting to to think about these kind of issues has real has made me realize what I care about, what kind of world I want to see, what I can do to be moving more towards that world. Um, and so what, I can't think I can pinpoint it's like this one moment where like my brain opened up. It was kind of just like a, a scaffolding effect, like building layer and layer and layer on top of um, my own way of noticing things, if that makes sense.
0: I'm glad you said that because that's the question I get sometimes, not necessarily about DEI, but, you know, other things. Of like What was that moment? What was that transformation or that aha moment? And sometimes, you know, you don't have that one thing, right? That one standout thing that changed the course of your life. It's those little moments that maybe add up to those big moments, but just seeing how people are treated or conversations that you have, um, I think, you know, even doing some internal reflection, it's okay not to have that big aha moment. You know, if there are 10 amazing moments and incredible things that you had to make you who you are, that's just as important, you know, than finding that one thing or that one story.
1: Well, as we're going to talk, we talk about stories and we'll continue to, like, I think that actually is a disservice to your own story, right? Of like anchoring too intensely off this one thing that became the pivot, because then it kind of puts you in a position of being un not as open to future pivots and future moments because you have this, best path you're following. The thing, one of the things I've been really trying to focus on in my own life is recognizing how little of it I can control and really just trying to be really open to the things that I am seeing and experiencing in the world and like letting the story kind of coalesce around those things and, and work to shape it and work to tell it, but kind of be open to the fact that it might not
0: be um, static. Yeah. Um, I want to go deeper too on the, on the storytelling piece because you know, sometimes I, I struggled, too, and I notice a lot of other people as well, of, of finding a balance between sharing your story, especially for you as a writer. When do you know if it's your story to tell or really highlighting other people's? Are there's questions that you typically ask yourself? Are there pieces that you realize, maybe I can't fix or finish this or think through this and I need somebody else's perspective? How do you work through that, whether it's writing or from your previous work? When is it time for you to move forward and share something or maybe take that back seat a little bit and then highlight somebody else?
1: It's such a great question. And it's something I continue to try to evolve my understanding
0: of as I grow in this career.
1: Because I think the most important like, thing to be thinking about in this world is to be really cognizant of your own identity and your own way in which you show up in the world. So just to recognize the privilege that you have, I can say, okay, I'm white. I am able-bodied. I grew up in a middle-class kind of light. Like I didn't, I didn't want for things growing up. Um, What, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of lens does that give me in my life? And yes, I'm a woman. And so that's hard. And yes, I've experienced discrimination. Like you you kind of, you kind of recognize that the the agent identities Mm -hmm. you have, and the not-so-agent identities that you have, the target identities, um, and know, and just being cognizant of how you're showing up in the world and what that looks like to other people. Because, and then specifically as a writer, right, I write both personal essays like, or reported essays where I use my experience in something to try to tell a bigger truth about the world. I talk about you know, finding friends as an adult, or I talk about deciding to stop drinking as much, hoping that other people can connect with that story right. and that I become a central character in that story there are then many stories where I'm not a central character and where I'm just trying to tell someone else's story and give them a platform. And those become, I think, the more, um, the decisions you have to be more thoughtful about because there are many times where I do not want to be the voice bringing, I don't want to be a voice that overpowers the voice of the actual thing or the person or the company or whatever it is that I'm trying to highlight. Um, And... Sometimes I can use my privilege as an in. I can say like, well, I know I could get this story picked up because this editor will read my pitch email and then I can go write this story and this person will get the, the audience they need. And sometimes I can think about the fact that maybe there's other ways I can help and not, and not, have it be, not be an active role in it. Like, can I intro a black journalist to mm-hmm. an editor that I know? And like they can write that story because it's about their community and it makes way more sense to have their voice as the, as the scaffolding around telling that story than it would be to have my own. Um, and so I don't think there's like, there's not a cut and dry, like follow these six steps and then you figure out how and when to insert yourself or what stories to tell. I think it's just really thinking through what are you trying to do? What is your goal? Who are you and how will who you are impact you achieving that goal, Where is it's good or bad? And what other ways are there to achieve that goal using you, but maybe not using you as the same conduit as before? And so that's something I tr- I, I've been trying to do, and I'm sure I failed at various points in my career, but I'm trying to be really conscious about, particularly now as we're watching like Black Lives Matter get com- a complete refocus and rejuvenation across the nation. And I really don't want to take up space where Black journalists specifically should be, should be and could be reporting on their stories and on their struggles and on their non-struggles too, just their life and their travels and their experiences. Um, and I, for instance, like, have not pitched really for the last month and a half because I am not trying to. Um, take up more space than I than than I need to. Is that, does that that make sense?
0: No, it makes perfect sense. And and we talked to like I. It's an internal struggle, right? Of of being able to. And I love all the social channels that are doing sharing the mic and, and using privilege to share and bring to light more Black voices. And how you brought up. You know there are a few ways to obviously look at it, but how you mentioned, I can use my privilege to get this person highlighted. Maybe it's not a writer, right? Maybe it's somebody with a different experience that you think that their story should be told, but they might not want to tell it um, or write it. And you can provide that platform or making the introduction to somebody that you know to a publication where you think that they might be better at telling the story. It's not one way to highlight or share someone else that's better, worse, different. It's just thinking about what paths and how you can use your privilege to really uplift other people.
1: Exactly. That's my answer. Would you say that was my answer? Because you just said it much better than I did.
0: No, no, I think, <laughs> it, but it's definitely an internal struggle and something I face as a white woman, especially in the, the DEI space of is it my time, right? Is it my time to share this experience? You know, taking that step back. And I know just a lot of other professionals are struggling with that, um, that space, I think, that we're in right now and wanting to uplift and empower other people at the same time and just not knowing how. But your three steps of even thinking about, you know, what do you want to accomplish? Who, who might be able to do it? And you're still accomplishing the same thing. You just might not be the one doing it. Um, you're uplifting other people to create more systemic change. So that to me was very concrete. I, I thought so.
1: Good, <laughs> I'm glad. And you know what? I think I would add even a fourth or like an extra step, which should be part of all of the three steps maybe, which is this version of just ask all the questions. Like there's no world in which you have to have the answer all the time and you have to know like what's right and what's not and you have to figure it out by yourself. Ideally, you have a community, whether it's of writers or of DNI professionals or whatever field you're in. And as you're trying to figure out how to bring more of this, how to bring more of this, awareness into your space, you just ask, you ask, you say, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Or you're asking people who are like you and have similar privileges to you and you guys can talk about it from that perspective, or you're asking people in your community um, who might come from more marginalized backgrounds and you obviously do some respectful and don't expect them to do the work for you. But you just say, like, I remember reading, I read a really great article earlier this month about someone being like, well, should I use the word black or African-American? And the response was written by a black woman. And she was kind of like, well, just ask me, like ask me what you, and I'll tell you that I prefer black and other people might prefer, we're not a monolith. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone will just like, will have their own take on it and you just have to be curious and keep working to understand what their individual experiences are. And so if you come across a person and you want to help them tell your story, you just talk about that and you figure out, okay, like how can I help you? And is this even a goal of yours? And if it's not a goal of yours, what are your goals and can I help with those? And just kind of, you know, being willing to engage every single
0: opportunity on its own merit. And even what you were just saying of I want to be able to help you. Do you want me to help? Do you, you know, what are your goals? What are you interested in? Because I think sometimes we get caught up in what can I ask? Who should I ask? What should I say? Are there, and being obviously a journalist, you're in that space all the time of being able to ask the questions and you're essentially a professional question asker and are very good at it to be able to get to the story. Are there other questions that you ask people even to get to the root of their story and their experience to even identify what maybe could be highlighted?
1: That's a fabulous question, and I will give you the simplest but also best advice I've ever gotten as a journalist. Um, and I think it's it just te- also is teaching you how to be a listener, right? Because so much of telling the story is actually not telling it. It's shutting out for a very long time and, like, understanding it first, and then you can use that and create the, the, the vehicle with which to deliver it to the world. Um, but the best advice I ever got um, and the advice I always give, and I always try to remember, and I literally have this like, as a sticky note on my computer. Right, of, and every interview, no matter what you thought you were gonna get out of it, what research you did, whatever you came into it looking to get answered, you always ask the question at the end of it. Um, is there anything else you would like to share or is there anything you want to tell our readers or what else is on your mind or you can phrase it a million ways but you basically just ask a very open-ended question and that lets them take it take it away and this works particularly about the end of an interview because you've already warmed them up and you've talked about the thing you meant to talk about and you got your like you know who, what, where and why kind of out of the way and you ha- you have the basis that you go write a story just then. But nine times out of ten, like the lead quote, the headline, the angle comes from the end of that conversation where you really get them you give them complete freedom to just tell their story their way, say what's on their mind and not fit it into some framework. You came in um, with this preconceived idea you needed to get filled. And that is where you really get a lot of the richness and a lot of, a lot of the, the insight. And so one of the things I'm trying to keep in mind, even when I'm not on the clock or I'm not working on a story, when I'm just trying to be a friend or I'm just trying to be um, a a role in my community is just that like, Open-minded listening and just seeking to understand, and just saying, "Okay, like I'm here. What do you What do you want to talk about? Tell Tell me about that.
0: Tell me what's in your mind, and not trying to fit it into some idea that I had walking in." I love one of my favorite um, Stephen Covey quotes is, um, "Listen with the intent to understand and not respond," and that's to me like the essence of what you're saying. And you know, during the conversation, I see it even working for or with organizations as well. It's not just something that you can use as a journalist. If you've been developing the relationship and having the conversation and you leave, you quote unquote end with that question, it might lead to more questions, you know, of giving other people the floor and the space to share is so powerful. Um, I just think in, in just so many different ways to bring out something that you might not have thought of or something you talked about earlier, sparked an interest or idea in mind um, that really might not have come up in the conversation before because you were so focused on this is my end goal, this is the content and information I need.
1: Exactly, that's exactly it. How often are we listening and we're starting to just wait for the opportunity for us to say something else or like their, their thoughts sparked a thought in us and we think we're a little genius and we need to hear that thought echoed out in the real world. And those are valid things. I mean, that's how some conversations work. And I would never say that, you know, we, we have nothing to add to the conversation, but so much of it, of whatever it is you're trying to do is, is exactly that, is exactly that. It's exactly just um, listening and not having an agenda and seeing where that can take you and being willing and open to explore that in real time, which requires a certain level of vulnerability, right? Like you're not coming in with this armor of your preparedness. You're really just engaging person to person. Um, but that can be a really beautiful thing and can be a really powerful way for us to share our personal stories and for us to understand better stories to be sharing in the world.
0: Oh, now I'm gonna ask you that question. <laughs> what is something that you wanted to share or something that you wanted to just get out there in the world?
1: My Alyssa, I really should have anticipated that, shouldn't I have? I feel like I just shot. Oh, no. Well,
0: I was debating like, whether or not <laughs> um, I, nothing. and then I was like, you know. No, no,
1: it's perfect. You know what? I will th- think about it. Let give me, I think I will say. That, um, and this is coming off of a conversation that, I like I told you, I had with this friend this morning and that I, ha- I have been having with one of the friends that I've been talking to a lot, enough for another traveler, remote worker type human being in my life. So we, we've just been um, sharing how glad we are that this is the life we're living right now, how scary it felt when we started doing it. And how much we would love everyone else who has the idea of, okay, I want to go start this business or, okay, I want to go do this. I want to go see this part of the world um, to just go and do those things mm-hmm. because they're really, like I truly cannot uh, say or believe more strongly that you are the one thing in life you can control and you do not need to wait for something to happen to you or someone to give you permission or, or like the stars to align to go fulfill yourself in the ways you want, um, and I think it's of like thinking about who we allow in the world to have a blank slate. Who do we allow to like write their version of history, and who do we allow who do we expect to be a certain way? whether that's about race or gender or sexual orientation understand someone's story, you understand the, the role they could all have. Uh, have, have a response and have an ability to kind of create that life for ourselves. And again, like the, the, the agency we have in that creation is going to be different depending on our backgrounds. And I would love to see a world where that agency was more equitable across the board, which is what we're all working towards. Um, but just recognizing like your own power kind of and creating the world that you want to see, creating the life you want to live and, and not letting someone else's idea of who or what you should be really getting in the way of you figuring that out for yourself.
0: I love that. It's essentially and Catherine us right now, if you were waiting for somebody to give you permission, now is your permission, right? Whatever it is, start that thing that you were thinking about. I mean maybe not go on a trip necessarily right now, but you know, thinking maybe not right now. <laughs> right. But it's planning for it or thinking about it or knowing that it's a real possibility. Cause I think sometimes I know I hold myself back. You know, I'm probably the per the thing that holds myself back from moving forward. We can create those barriers, whether they're real or perceived um, for ourselves and giving ourselves the permission to move forward, I think is really, really lifts a weight off your shoulders when you think about it. I love that. I hope so. No, I hope so too. And I, I really, really, really appreciate you giving all these, like, just awesome nuggets of wisdom and talking about when to step back, when to move forward and share your story, how you can use your privilege to really step up and see who wants you to step up for them and who might be thinking differently. So I just, I really appreciate you sharing this with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the conversation. Um, I I look forward to continuing it with you on and off mic, but
0: uh, I'm really grateful for the chance to have gotten to talk to you about this today. I'm excited. And, and if our audience wants to reach out to you, whether it's to, for you to write a piece for their organization as a potential ghostwriter or, or looking for you to write a piece for their magazine, journal, publication, or anything of the like, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
1: Well, any and you know, all of that is more than welcome. Story tips are more than welcome. Travel recommendations are more than welcome. Book recs are more, more than welcome. And so basically, I would say you can find me at my writing website, which is... Catherine Plumhoff, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, P as in Paul, L-U-M as in Mary, hof um, com. Or you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at, at K Plumhoff. Um, that's my handle on both of those places. And I have DMs open on both platforms and would love to hear from you.
0: That's awesome. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. And to our audience, if you have any questions that you wanted to be answered in a future episode, you can reach out to me on Twitter at notokaythatsokay or on LinkedIn at Alyssa Carpenter. Until next time. Thanks again for listening. But did you know that you can leave me a voice message to answer any questions on an upcoming episode? Just go into the show notes and the link will be there at the bottom for you to send me that message. Have a great day.